my name is Ryan Holsworth, and you are listening to Behind the Back, a podcast presented by Top Shelf Lax. Just like Tuesday, I'm solo. Willie's on vacation this week, so I'll be doing the show by myself. But today, we will continue to prepare for the 2020 PLL Entry Draft. In this show, we are going to lay out the regular season schedule locations that were announced yesterday. We will look at some lacrosse scores and stats from this week's games, and we'll begin to preview the Entry Draft, which will take place on Monday, March 16th. That is this coming Monday. As bonus coverage for the Entry Draft, Willie and I will have a bonus show this Monday morning as we prepare to preview the entry draft and as usual we will have a show on tuesday morning to recap that draft so bonus show on monday morning we will have our mock draft and we will be breaking down in depth the entry draft before monday night's draft if you are new to the show make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you might be listening to us on we are available on apple Podcasts, spotify audio boom and iHeartRadio. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TopShelfLax underscore. And make sure to check out our website, TopShelfLaxMedia.com. We have some awesome articles over there, including an article previewing the top senior defenseman ahead of the college draft in April. There are also articles previewing the top attackmen and midfielders. So make sure to go check that out. And if you want to find out more information about the 16 players in the entry draft, be sure to check out our article on that as well. As in this, ep- this show, we're going to quickly kind of go over everybody. We're not going to have a mock draft, as I said. I'm pretty much we're gonna we're gonna go over all the teams, kind of what they need and where certain players could go. We're gonna do that a little bit later in the show. We're gonna start with the schedule location. So yesterday morning, the league released the schedule locations for the final five weeks of the regular season. So now we have all eleven. It looks like the regular season is going to be eleven weeks this season. It was a couple more. It was ten last season. So it looks like it's gonna be eleven by weeks. Looks like um it's going to factor in. But to review the first six. Week one is in Boston, week two is in Atlanta, week three is in Long Island, week four is in Baltimore, Maryland, week five is in Dallas, and week six is in Minneapolis. The new cities that have recently been announced, week eight is going to be in Portland, Oregon, week nine in Raleigh, North Carolina, week 10 is in Albany, New York at the University of Albany for the second straight season, week 11 is in Salt Lake City, Utah. And week 12 returns to the University of Denver. So all these locations are great for the league. Obviously, we see a couple of repeats from last year, which is which is great. Um, first weekend was Portland. Uh, the league should hope to get a lot of fans from not just the Portland area, but also from Seattle, Vancouver, Northern California, um, that whole area. So Portland, me and Willie were talking about it. Um, actually, really all of these, me and Will, um, in our show last Thursday, when we talked about the schedule locations, we pretty much got all of these. We pretty much checked all of these off. For Raleigh, uh, we talked about the possibility of either Raleigh or Charlotte last week. North Carolina is a state that lacrosse has been extremely popular in for years. Duke and North Carolina obviously being two of the best NCAA programs. They have been two of the best for years. I think North Carolina deserves a shot to host a PLL weekend. And like Boston, like Atlanta, New York, Baltimore, Albany, North Carolina could be a stop that we see every single season. Moving on to Albany, it's another stop that that we talked about. Um, a stop in Long Island is already happening in week three, and we said it was likely that another New York stop would be added. And I would not, and I wouldn't even be surprised if a third was was added for for a possible playoff game. We'll get to that, but definitely last season Albany was a huge success. A lot of players in the league are from upstate New York. A lot of guys, Connor Fields, the Thompson brothers, uh, they went to Albany. So really, I can't see where the league goes wrong there. And they're looking forward to another successful weekend there. Again, I don't want to say, I mean, we call them all. I think Salt Lake City was the big one because 
Portland and Seattle was was seeming more and more likely, but Salt Lake City was was a surprise to me. Like Portland and North California, um, Oregon, Washington, lacrosse is on the rise in Utah. It's gaining a lot of popularity, so this is another big move by the league to go to Utah. Um, I would expect big crowds, especially when the Archers uh, play. Hopefully the Archers are scheduled for that weekend. I would imagine they are. Will Manny, Adam Gittleman, and Marcus Holman are all assistant coaches on Utah men's lacrosse team. They're all pretty big figures out in Utah lacrosse. So I would expect the Archers to be playing that weekend, and I would expect pretty big crowds for them. And Week 12 is back in Denver. Denver kind of acting as the leader when it comes to lacrosse out west. And again, like really all of these locations, there's a good group of guys that played for Denver. So again, just a great homecoming for them. And as we see, in, in the first six weeks, we were mainly on the East Coast, Boston, Atlanta, Long Island, Baltimore, Dallas, Minneapolis, kind of being in the in the center of the country. A lot more West Coast here for the final half of the season, Portland, Salt Lake City, Denver, and then obviously uh, Raleigh and Albany are, are out here on the East. So right now, pretty much all we're waiting for is the location of the All-Star Game, which we believe is in Los Angeles. On the league's social media accounts, it says that the city has not been determined for the All-Star Weekend, but in the league articles talking about the different destinations, uh, the the All-Star Game is, is set to be in L.A. at O.C. Gray Park. So that makes sense. All-Star Weekend was very successful last season, so the league also being based in L.A., uh, we talked about that last week. It makes sense for the All-Star Game to pretty much be an annual thing in L.A. for that whole entire weekend. They have the red carpet thing and everything. So expect the All-Star Weekend to be in L.A. for the foreseeable future, and I... I mean, they haven't released it officially, but I would imagine that it will be in L.A. for 2020. We are also waiting on the cities for their two rounds of playoffs and the championship weekend. Expect another stop possibly in New York. Red Bull Arena was used in 2019 and has not been announced as a stop in 2020 yet. So that could be a possibility, a stop in Ohio and then Philadelphia as as the possible third uh, for the championship. Hamilton and Chicago were also used last season, and I wouldn't count them out either as a possible destination for the playoffs. And really the last thing we are missing when it comes to the schedule is the actual regular season schedule, like who's playing who, because when it comes to buying tickets, you want to know when and where your team is playing. So I think the next thing the league needs to do before releasing even the playoff cities is to get the schedule out for the season, the, you know, the matchups. If, for instance, let's say I'm a Chaos fan and I live in Atlanta, you know, I'm not going to buy tickets yet until I know that Chaos is playing that weekend in Atlanta. I mean, unless you're going, obviously, to support lacrosse and, and watch good lacrosse, but realistically, if you're a fan of a team, you'd want to watch your team when they're visiting your city. So I think the next thing the league needs to do, and I think they, they need to do it soon, is just get the matchups out there, um, let us know who's playing who, when the games are, so fans can prepare and, and, and figure out you know when they want to buy tickets, for which games they want to buy tickets, and so on. Moving on from that, we have some much more serious news that directly affects our sport, and really all of sports, as it's, it's, it's been blowing up over the last week or so. The Ivy League announced yesterday their unanimous decision to cancel all spring athletics through the remainder of the academic year amid further developments of the outbreak of COVID-19, also known as novel coronavirus. Um, and this has been followed by the NBA, the NHL. This uh, this afternoon, the NHL actually recently, just a couple minutes ago, announced that they're suspending their season. Um, the NLL this morning announced that they're suspending their season, and this is just a huge blow 
for all of sports. College, you know, Big Ten, SEC announcing that they're uh, either making their games unaccessible by fans, just on, it, you know, the game's only on television. And it's, 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 it's terrible. College season's being cut short for a lot of guys, especially when we focus on lacrosse. You know, we're going to hear other schools and conferences in the near future, and it's already happening. I mean, it's a domino effect where where schools and conferences are canceling their spring athletics, and this is where it's going to get interesting because the question becomes, will they get, will they reimburse players with another season of eligibility, especially guys that are seniors like Michael Sowers or Jeff Teed or T.D. Erlin, guys that were high on our draft boards. Um, will will these guys get another year of eligibility to play in college lacrosse? That's a question that we as lacrosse fans need to start asking and hopefully start getting answers for. Um, and, and the coaches need answers. I mean, we have an entry draft in, in a couple of days. And, you know, these coaches are selecting players in the entry draft with having already a preconceived plan, already having a preconceived plan of what they are doing for the rest of the offseason, primarily what the plan is for the college draft. Like Chris Bates, for example, he has the number one selection in the college draft. And he has a very large pool of players that he can decide from. How does the talent in the college draft determine what he's going to do in the entry draft. Because let's say, for instance, if Michael Sowers doesn't enter the, the, the college draft or T.D. Irwin doesn't enter the college draft, he now has, you know, to make another decision. You know, what what's he going to do? Is he going to make a, a move in, in the trade window? Is he going to, you know, change his plan for the entry draft? Obviously, he only has a couple days to make that decision. So that's where, that's where this is going to get interesting. And piggybacking off of that, league CEO and co-founder Mike Rabel released a statement this morning. Pretty much, the league is initiating a work-from-home policy until next Friday, March 20, and following all recommended steps from the World Health Organization and CDC. So this really doesn't affect us much as fans because the season hasn't started and we are still a ways away from that. So the league has time to prepare for a course of action once we get to that point, they might have to play in front of empty stadiums. They might have to suspend part of the beginning of the season, possibly. We have no idea. We don't know what this virus is going to do, where it's going to go. So that's something that we will continue to watch. Um, this statement followed an MLL statement on Tuesday morning and the NBA's decision to suspend the remainder of the 2020 season, as we talked about. Um, Utah Jazz center Rudy Gobert actually tested positive for the coronavirus. Donovan Mitchell did as well. So we're expecting other leagues to start releasing announcements as to their plans um, with how they're going to re- react to the spread and overall fear of the virus. And we'll, we'll expect to see. I think the PLO is going to piggyback off of what does the MLS do, what does the MLB do, two leagues that are going to be starting soon. You know, they're going to, you know, what, what are those two leagues doing? Two leagues that have been around for a while. You know, I think the PLL um, could benefit greatly from just from, from following their lead. But before we no longer have calls across stats, let's go over some scores and stats from the last few days, particularly from the seniors that, that we have been watching so far this season. On Tuesday afternoon, North Carolina beat Bryant 18-16 behind a hat trick from midfielder Tanner Cook, so finishing his career possibly off with a bang. UMass beat LIU 14-10 behind four goals and an assist from Jeff Trainer. Ohio State improves to 5-2 and two on the season. And Notre Dame drops their second straight to a ranked opponent after losing to Denver over the weekend. The Irish fall to 2-3. and three. Trey LeClaire had five goals and an assist. Josh Kirsten made 10 saves. And for Notre Dame, Brian Cosby had two goals and an assist. Penn State rebounded from their 18-17 loss over the weekend to Cornell with a 22-7 win over Furman. Mac O'Keefe had three goals and an assist. And Grant Amen had two goals and three assists. 
And Gerard Arceri also rebounded after he struggled against Cornell on Sunday. He won 17 of 21 faceoffs. So finishing off his career hopefully well. Again, guys that we don't know, are they going to get another year of eligibility or will they not be granted another year and then just enter into either the PLL or possibly MLL drafts? We are not sure that. But despite spring sports, uh, spring college sports being canceled and the chances of them coming back for this season being unlikely. We will continue to cover and talk about college across. The PLL college draft is still scheduled for April 21st. We haven't heard anything different. So we will continue our coverage on our website. There are already three articles that preview the top seniors in college across. One dedicated to the top attackmen, one for the midfielders, and then this uh, yesterday morning we posted our article for the defensemen. So make sure to go check that out on our website, topshelflagsmedia.com. And stay tuned as over the next few days we will continue with an article for the best goalies and then one for the best face-off specials. And we will also have more news pertaining to the entry draft, college draft, and other PLL news on our website. And for the weekend, as long as the games are not canceled, which it does unfortunately look like they will be, um, there's a lot of pressure right now on the NCAA to, to make a move, especially after what the NBA, NHL, and NLL have now done. But we do have some great matchups if they don't get canceled. Maryland plays Virginia at 1 on Saturday afternoon. Rutgers plays Syracuse. North Carolina is at Georgetown, and Duke hosts Towson. And on Sunday, Ohio State will go to Denver, and Notre Dame will go to Michigan. So some big matchups this weekend, but we've already heard some cancellations. I believe the Big Ten actually already called off their games, so half of those are already out. Half of those I just announced are already out. But um, if some of them do play, those are what we are expecting for the weekend. So... Moving into the prime coverage of this show, the entry draft. Again, we do have the selection order. The Water Dogs will be picking first. The Chrome will be picking second, followed by the Atlas, Archers, Whipsnakes, Redwoods, and the Chaos, rounding, at the, rounding out the order at number seven. The draft is this Monday, March 16th. And, yeah, so Tuesday morning, the league released the full 16-man player pool ahead of this Monday's draft. How it appears right now, 14 players will be drafted and two will be left to join the player pool. It will be available to any team to sign, similar to how an undrafted free agent in any sport, football really being the easiest comparison because we see it a lot, they will become an undrafted free agent and could be signed by any team. So we do not have a mock draft together, or I, I don't have a mock draft uh, together for this show. I'm actually working on it. Willie and I will be presenting that again in our bonus show on Monday morning, so the morning of the entry draft. So... We'll be talking all things entry draft, and then we'll continue with our regular show schedule for Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesday, and th- actually probably both days, we're going to recap uh, the draft. But Monday morning, we will be previewing the draft, so make sure to stay tuned for that. Reason, again, for no mock draft today. I think it will be more beneficial if we look at each player and break them down without jumping to a conclusion right away of which team they're going to play for. Instead, I have the needs for all seven teams, so pretty much... What each team needs before the season starts, what positions they have to fill, and uh, which which players the head coaches could fill in these voids. But for full information on all 16 players, Will and I talked about the first day on last Thursday's show, and I went over the last day on Tuesday. For a more concise look into all 16 players on the Entry Draft Player Pool, visit our website where there's an article that talks about all 16 players at topshelflagsmedia.com. But to get right into it, the Water Dogs have the first overall selection, the expansion team. They had the best odds to get the first overall pick, and they, in fact, did secure it. In the entry draft, Andy Copeland only drafted four attackmen and four defenders. Not in the entry draft, in the expansion draft, my bad. And they only have one faceoff specialist and one goalie. So 
Copeland has the hardest job really of any head coach in this draft. And it, it does make it a little bit better that he has the first overall pick because he can really do whatever he wants. But he does have the hardest draft. He has the most holes to fill. He really needs at least one more attackman, at least one more defender. And obviously you need a backup face-off specialist and goalie and you want to maybe add a midfielder somewhere. So he has more of a lengthy list of voids that he needs to fill. But with that first pick, it's hard to imagine that he won't take Pinnell. Pinnell's a generational talent. He would fit perfectly with what what uh, Copeland has already going on with his attack. Other possibilities, possibly Zach Courier, a midfielder. Very versatile midfielder. He would become the next great two-way midi in this league. Um, I also look at the defenders because there are so many defenders available in this draft, and it seems like if a team needs one, they'll get one because it doesn't matter which, which guy they're taking all these guys are, are quality players and could really benefit their team. With only one specialist and one goalie in this draft, there's no way that Copeland takes a goalie or face-off specialist with the first pick, um, at least I'd imagine. I, I'd kind of hope, especially with Pinnell and Courier being there, but he does have the eighth overall selection and could look to filling one of those voids with that pick. The coronavirus outbreak has really thrown a huge obstacle into how these head coaches are preparing for the 2020 season, as we talked about, because coaches that are planning to fill a void or two in this draft and expecting to have four selections in the college draft, they might not have those picks, or the players that they thought would be available won't be there if the college conferences and universities grant another year of eligibility to the players that had their season senior seasons cut short. So this looks like this will affect Copeland the most, like we said, with, with being that he's the expansion coach, but... Despite that, I think these coaches are going to go into this draft with the same plan, expecting that the guys that would be in the college draft would be there. So, first pick, I expect Pinnell or Courier. Pinnell would make this one of the best offenses in the league with Ryan Jenner and Ben Reeves, Connor Kelly, Westberg, and Drew Snyder. So, I, I, I expect Pinnell to go first overall. Eighth pick, expect goalie Dylan Ward or possibly a defender. The Wardogs only have one goalie, as we said, going into 2020 in in. Charlie Cipriano. If all goes wrong and the college draft looks considerably different than it projects to look now, you need two goalies on your roster. You can fill a backup faceoff spot with a long pull, but you can't just plug someone in to play goalie. So with how the college across town projects to look in April with TD Erlin and Kyle Gallagher at faceoff, expect Goplin to go goalie at eight and address faceoff, hopefully in the college draft if the, the same talent is still there. Uh, for Chrome, their biggest need is defense, as they were one of the worst units in 2019 and then recently lost rookie Chris Sabia to expansion and Joe Fletcher to retirement. I think they need to go defense, probably with both picks. There are a ton of options, as I said before. LSM, Craig Chick, and Ryland Reese are both young guys that could replace Sabia. Jesse Bernhardt is a veteran defensive player that they could decide to go with. And really, there's only one way I think they don't go defense at number at number two is if Pinnell doesn't go number one. I think in that such in that situation you need to take Pinnell. You you can't let him slip to three. But thinking that Pinnell is going to go at one, I would expect a defensive player at number two. And even at nine, like I said, the college draft should have regardless of how many guys there are and whatever they whatever whether they got you know another year of eligibility or not. The college draft should be full of really good attackmen. So why not? sure up a position that struggled in 2019 and take another defender. If you take Chick or Reese at two, maybe, they can take a close defender like Finn Sullivan or Eli Goldberg at nine. Chrome also needs another face-off specialist, but they could wait until April or through the trade window, or like we said with the Water Dogs, you can 
have a long pull or somebody else that has taken faceoffs before in college, maybe. You know, that that's not as important of a position as getting a uh, possibly, you know, defenders that could start and, and be huge impacts on your team. Moving on to number three with the Atlas. If Pinnell is somehow still available, which I don't think he will be, but he won't be available after the Atlas because they will 100% take him if he is available. Um, Pinnell has played with a ton of players on this Atlas team, so it, it makes sense. Pinnell fits into their offense, but I would imagine that he would go with one of the first two picks. If he's not available, they will go defense, I think, even if Courier is on the board. If the Water Dogs and Chrome pass on him, I believe that Alice will pass on Curry as well. They just added Romar Dennis, so midfield isn't a concern for them. But like Chrome, they were one of the worst defensive units in 2019. They lost no Richard to expansion, so expect them to try and fill that hole. They only protected two long poles in Kyle Hartzell and Tucker Durkin. So despite them bringing back, you know, Callum Robinson and Cade Van Raphorst, um, you know, they're still looking for a guy that can step up and start immediately. So if Jesse Bernhardt is still available, he fits the bill. Ryland Reese and Craig Chick fit the bill at LSM, but definitely expect Ben Rubior to figure out his defense at number three. And even at 10, like the Chrome, the Atlas have the number two pick in April. And again, there will be talent available at attack. So figure out your defense and go from there in this draft. Eli Goprecht, Finn Sullivan, Jason Noble are guys that could be uh, available for them at um, the number 10 selection. Moving on to the Archers, they have the number one pick in April, and we'll have the choice between Michael Sowers, Grant Ament, Jared Bernhardt, and really whoever else Coach Bates decides to consider. Because of that, it makes the most sense for him to figure out other areas of needs in this draft. Pinnell shouldn't be on the board. If he is, again, somehow, he will be taken by the by uh, the Archers because Pinnell, I mean, put him next to Holman and Manny would be unstoppable. But Zach Courier should be, um, so I expect the Archers to go Zach Courier here. Um, and Joe Keenan, who's a writer, journalist, he works for the league, his stuff is awesome. I follow him on Twitter, and he tweeted that every head coach that he has talked to would take Zach Courier with the first pick. And I say the same thing. Yeah, I would too. But when it comes to team needs, and I think this goes for all sports, if you have a team need you need to address, that need, especially one that is a glare, as glaring as the Atlas and Chrome needing to add defenders, in this case scenario, I could see Courier slipping. Unlike how a lot of people might be predicting how this draft might go, I can definitely see Courier slipping. And the Archers, I think the Archers might be one of the best fits for him early here in this draft in these first four picks. The Archers just lost two midfielders and Dan Epp and Jordan McIntosh to expansion. Epp is one of the fastest players in the league. He was a dangerous two-way threat at midfield, so expect Chris Bates to replace him, and Zach Courier, again, fits that bill. And I think they could also use some defensive depth, so there should be some names available for them in 11. But even there, the Archers are bringing back their entire defensive unit from 2019. They were one of two teams that did not lose a defender. So they might go for another offensive player like Zed Williams or Brendan Cavanaugh at the number 11 selection. And moving on to the Whip Snakes at number 5. If Courier is available, he will be gone on this pick. Because if he does slip past the Archers, the Whip Snakes need to add offense. So, but if he's not available, Christian Mazzone is a likely candidate to be picked here at five. The Whip Snakes just lost four of their offensive players, as we, as I just said, to the expansion draft. Coach Dagnita needs to start rebuilding his offense, um, and Courier or Mazzone could be where he starts to do that. And then at number twelve, Brennan Cavanaugh and Zed Williams might be available. The Whip Snakes are bringing their entire defense back for 2020, a defense that was one of the best units in the league last season. You need to at least start to put players around Matt Rambo. So with these 
two picks here in the entry draft, we could see the Whip Snakes go for these guys that can play both attack and midi that, that Coach Stagnini can switch back and forth. The Whip Snakes also only have one faceoff specialist on their roster in Joe Nardella. So Greg Pasculjian could be an option to add a faceoff specialist at 12. Or again, like we said, they could look to possibly the offseason trade window. They could wait for the college draft or possibly the, the, the active player pool, the league's active player pool, because it's not a, a necessary need right now. They need to start adding offensive players, and I expect the Whip Snakes to do that. The Redwoods, they are set across the board in terms of starters expected um, for the 2020 season, except for the face opposition. They just lost Greg Garendley into retirement, so they could possibly be in the market for Greg Pasculjian. Um, they also just lost Brian Carolunas to expansion, so expect the Redwoods to go defense here. At number six, I, I definitely expect them to go defense. TJ Camizio should still be on the board. Guys like Rylan Reese, Chick, if they slip past the first five picks, um, one of these three guys could be a potential mar- uh, match for Coach Nat St. Laurent. And at 13, this could be where they get Pasculjian. I could also see them going defense here. Jason Noble, Finn Solvin, Eli Gobrecht, one of those three guys should still be on the board so I expect the Redwoods to possibly go defense with both 6 and 13, 6 possibly being a short stick defensive midfielder and finally the last pick in round 1 and 2 is the Chaos and Coach Towns if TJ Camizio is still available here at the end of the first round I like him to go at, at number 7 the Chaos could use a defensive midfielder and this is where it gets a little tricky because it looks like veterans Donnie Moss and Josh Hawkins both short stick defensive midfielders could slip to the very end of the draft where the chaos are. So you don't want to take a short stick defensive midfielder twice in this draft. The chaos don't need a face off specialist if Pasculjian was to slip to the back end of the draft. So the chaos might be stuck taking two defensive midis here, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. They can focus on finding a backup goalie and a replacement for Brody Merrill on defense somewhere else during this offseason. But I can definitely see just with, with the overall youth of this draft and kind of what these teams need, I can definitely see Donnie Moss and Josh Hawkins dropping to the end of this draft and the chaos if Pasculjian also is if it's if it's Moss, Hawkins, and Pasculjian left at, you know, number fourteen, the last pick in the draft, I would imagine the chaos would go either Moss or Hawkins and then they would have two defensive midfielders. So again, on Monday morning we are going to have a bonus show where Will and I will talk about our mock drafts, we'll have that all prepared, um, and it's it's going to be an awesome show. We're going to prepare for the entry draft, and uh, hopefully we can get some picks right here with um, with our mock draft. So, in today's episode, I recapped the five new cities that the league has announced, and that will host a PLL weekend in 2020, and we reviewed all 11 that have been announced. Again, we're waiting on the All-Star game, which we imagine is, is in LA, and the two playoff rounds in the championship. I also recapped the past week of college cross action and continued our coverage on the entry draft. A reminder, on Monday we will have a bonus show for you guys where Will and I will continue our entry draft coverage, including a full mock draft for how we think the draft will play out. So make sure to check that out in advance of the entry draft. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time. This has been the Behind the Back Podcast.